Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. A warm welcome to our newest sponsor, Your Own Decoy Bones. Want a classroom skeleton that doubles as your skeleton? Your Own Decoy Bones. Want to prank a passed-out friend into thinking 100 years have passed? Your Own Decoy Bones. Need to fake your own death to stop someone from chasing you? You guessed it. Order a replica set of your bones at yourowndecoybones.com. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside C.M. Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Hey, constant readers. And today we are finishing our coverage of The Gunslinger, which was a Patreon selection for Mark Davitt, and we are reading through the rest of the book, and Ben is leading our discussion. Ben, take it away. Oh. I don't even know how you're doing this, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, well, we, we got to start out. Should we all say it together? The boy found the oracle and it almost destroyed him. The famous starting line from the second half of this book. Yeah. Right? Takes me back. Yeah. Same resonance. (laughs) So we start off, I guess we should do a recap. Roland DeShane, the last gunslinger, spent the first half of the book trekking through the Mohane Desert, almost dying and on the way finding a 10-year-old boy named Jake Chambers who we learn through hypnosis is from our world, New York. Andy murders a town. Uh, cool. <laughs> really, in a really badass way. Yeah, Roland reminisces about murdering an entire town in cold blood. And then they reach a cold-blooded self-preservation. <laughs> um, Thank you. When we join back up with our heroes, they have reached a, a forested area. It has been... Some amount of time. That's like 10 days. Yeah, it, it's been 10 days. They are nearly out of water. Mm-hmm. They are talking about how how parched and how... Uh, it. He's not juicy anymore. He. They are, <laughs> they are not juicy, even in the slightest. Yes, the juice was fully loosened. And uh, they, they decide to set up camp because there might be fucking vampires. <laughs> Which is delightful. I, Just a little delightful bit that is never like, okay, what? Never Tell expanded on until uh, a short story and everything's eventual. Um, have you never read Little Sisters of Aloria? No. <gasps> I have the what? book. It's what? uh it's a prequel of <gasps> The Dark Tower. What? It's a it's a short story about Roland. What? It's a Patreon episode. Right? Uh, well, it is now. Oh, God um, damn it. All right. It's hey, very guys, good. I've got a new Dark Tower thing to read I've never read before. How That's jealous fun. are you? Very. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a scene I want to get into because this is something that in the revised edition, as soon as I read this in the revised edition, I was like, this can't be how it happens in the regular book. <laughs> oh, please, please tell me. There are so many parts in the second half that I just wrote notes that said, what the fuck is the revised edition? <laughs> those are I made those similar notes. With, I have this them. can't be how it happens. <laughs> oh, good. So when they make this camp for the night, Roland has a dream, and in mm. the revised, he dreams about Susan mm. and uh, what happened. Even though he wasn't there, he says like I, w- I wasn't there to see her, but in this dream, I'm seeing her burned at the stake. That's very interesting. Uh, and 
even though he knows he wasn't there, he's looking at her and she turns her head, looks up and calls out the boy and he turns around and he sees Jake's head with a spike driven through its mm-hmm. forehead in the window in like her bedroom mm-hmm. window mm-hmm. from where they're standing. And I was like, that can't be what happens. That is crazy. Uh, Sam, would you like to? That is exactly what happens. Except what? there's no King fixed because that's not actually how it ends up evolving in mm-hmm. that actual book. So King fixes this continuity error, or this mistake. In the original, it's just that's how he saw it happen. Mm-hmm. There's not that moment there. where he's like, oh. it didn't actually, you know, I didn't actually Did it see it. say Susan's name? Yes. Yes, oh, it does. Wild. Everything else is the same. It's just, mm-hmm. it takes away that bit of him being like, yeah, I didn't actually see it. But gotcha. he's, he's having a dream about what probably happened. I see. Yeah. Here's cool. the thing that I don't mind that one. <laughs> I didn't mean either. No, because it is very well, it is a dream that is happening. It is not literally him explaining what happens. Mm-hmm. So it has that very dreamlike quality that you're like, is this one for one, you know, a memory? Mm-hmm. Or is this a bunch of shit all colliding at once? My question in I may be, this is this is a huge reach, but he keeps mentioning a collar that he has on in this dream. That he, he mentions oh, I it, a it was few shackles, t- like they had shackled his neck and his wrists. Like okay, a medieval sort of that. That very well, maybe it, it just it is something that he mentions pointedly, and it is right after they have laid down to you know camp out. And Jake had asked, "Hey, what about what about mm. the the priest?" And Roland's immediate response like snapping at him is that man's no priest. And then immediately in this dream flashback, whatever it is, he mentions two or three times that he was wearing a collar. And when he wakes up, he mentions how the collar he was wearing had been choking him. And I was like, is this a weird retcon where originally Roland was at some time a priest? Holy shit. (laughs) I just thought you're saying he felt ashamed of like, he's a fraud. It, I mean, like I said, it's a it's a <laughs> huge reach on my end, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't even believe it. It's just something <laughs> it's that just it's just something that made me go, "That's weird." I don't think you're as far off as you might think you are, theory wise, because that fits in with the last of any kind of order trope, mm-hmm. where somebody abandons the order for a new calling. And while they're away on this new calling, everyone who was one of them gets wiped out, making them yeah. the last of. It, so that could, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that was milling around. It's fun to think that, like, they they set up so much in the original version mm-hmm. that is then cut from later versions, like Eileen as a character. I don't remember Eileen She's being... in both, but she's mentioned... Her role is diminished, actually, mm-hmm. in the revised. Yeah, and, and like, going forward into the other books, Eileen is not, like, a major character. Mm. It makes yeah. me think that, like, there is a version of the Dark Tower series that went off in all these different directions, but then as he went on, he pared it down. Mm-hmm. So I'm... Uh, Different levels of the tower, man. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I like that theory. I think it's fun. Anyway, Roland has this dream where uh, Susan calls out the boy. You have to protect the boy. And Jake has a spike driven through his head that we later learn is in the same spot as the woman in Toll's scar on her face. Mm -hmm. But when Roland wakes up, Jake isn't there. Jake is off having sexy times. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think he's waiting for sexy he's, times to happen to him. He, he's 
possibly being raped, actually. Let's be clear. Yeah, it's bad. He he sleepwalks, I assume is kind of drawn, because he mm-hmm. later says he never sleepwalks, to this clearing, which is a really cool description. Like, I love all the descriptions of these sort of ancient ruins. And there's a succubus and an oracle there waiting for him. There's a really great, I didn't talk about this much last episode, I mentioned it, but I'm reading the illustrated editions, which is amazing Mm -hmm. the the art in the illustrated editions is just so good but at this point there's a two-page illustration of roland just like sitting and gazing dreamily into a pond and it is so the feeling the vibe Mm -hmm. of the drawing does not match with the book (laughs) at all but i love it yeah it's just this like green and you see the the like stones uh Mm -hmm. which are like um stonehenge basically in the painting uh behind him but it's just roland tripping on mescaline staring into a pot (laughs) like we've all done well he's jake kind of pulls him out of his dream accidentally because he's starting to make kind of like pained kind of moans and it wakes Roland up. He sees that he's gone. And so he finds him not too far away in this sort of clearing with these stones and rescues him from this creature basically and takes him back to camp. And then when they wake up the next morning, he's like, okay, kid, I'm going to do these (laughs) drugs and I'm going to leave you maybe for the whole day. And you got to hold this gross job. Take take this job out. It'll be useful probably, maybe, but I, I'm on a trip. <laughs> I, I love this because he he uses the jawbone in the circle to protect himself from mm-hmm. this demon and also to free Jake and drag him away. There's a lot of magic and ritualistic stuff in this, which I love. It's really cool, but it also is a really awesome demonstration of Roland's feelings for Jake mm-hmm. that when he, the next morning, he wakes up and he gives Jake the one talisman that we know would protect against this. Mm-hmm. Do we have any theories as to why that, why a, a jawbone has that power? Don't worry about it. Oh, all right. It's one of those, and and I prefer there not to be an answer. Like so much of the, connection to something. <laughs> yeah, the, the lore, the like magical aspects mm-hmm. of the Dark Tower. I don't feel like it matters how it works. It's just... The fact that Roland is like, this is a demon, I know how to deal with this. It's subtext. Yeah. It's it's very cool. But I love that, like, Roland leaves behind this weapon. Yeah. Because he's like, I I don't need it. What I I do need. (laughs) uh, No, he does not have LSD. Jake Jake thinks of it as LSD, but it is actually fucking mescaline, (laughs) which is great and made me want to wonder. This is another moment, like before, these hypothetical directions that are in the original book that I wish had been explored Mm -hmm. more. It's a thrown away line where he thinks. Quote, his mother had feared the drugs and the necessity of them. That's never touched on again in the series. Mm-hmm. I would love an added psychedelic. I, I mean, the series is psychedelic enough, <laughs> like just with weird shit. But if part of the gunslinger's repertoire was he's really fucking down, that would be <laughs> cool as hell. Uh, What's interesting, though, he uses the drug as a form of control and mm-hmm. traditionally kind of psychedelic drugs are are letting go of that ego part. 
Yeah, it, it's just a really cool piece of world building that they would have expanded. I wish they would have mm-hmm. expanded on. Um, I mean, he had it ready to go, man. So I think you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, when uh, Jake asks, will it hurt you? His immediate response is, it never has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start using that answer anytime I have a question. And then he he twirls a bullet and then cracks like a glow stick. Yeah. And he just starts raving. It's a pretty sweet chapter in the Rised edition. Uh, (laughs) So they, Roland takes his mescaline and sits down and sews a patch in Jake's shirt. And it's so mundane. It's It's such a cool little moment. uh, Eventually the drugs begin to kick in and Roland stands up and says, gotta go. And then just <laughs> walks directly into the woods to the circle, and nothing happens at first. He gets horny. <laughs> he does get horny. Not immediately, though. <laughs> it's I because I, there's a moment he walks in and he notes he's like nothing stirs, so he goes and lays down on the altar, yeah. <laughs> which is a great. That's such like a fuck you to whatever <laughs> demon is there. And once he sits down and the drugs really take Mm -hmm. hold, which is really cool. There's like two paragraphs that are just suddenly ravings. And you're like, wait, what is he talking? Oh, okay. The description of of how he perceives the world while he's laying on his back looking up at the sky is like he's swimming over the sky. Yeah, it's great. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, And just then the, the succubus comes. Does the succubus take a certain form in the original? Yes. Okay, the only differences that happen are, so she's giving, well, do you want to explain what she does and then I'll tell you what Sure. When the succubus shows up and starts putting the moves on Roland, she takes the shape of Susan Delgado as she would look were she alive today and mm. comes to him as as a lover. She And she's telling him, and he's kind of like resisting this glamour over him or trying to it helps that he knows she's dead Uh, i imagine that helps resist it but he convinced he argues with her to share her prophecy and one thing in the revise that i thought was really cool she's like she wants him to go under like fall asleep so she can have full control of his mind and body he's like ah no i don't (laughs) think so and she's like half sleep then and he's like he's okay with that but in the revised version he's like that's super dangerous but i i think that's the only way i can do it and knowing that he's a little bit worried still and does it anyway is really cool she will get to what she actually you know with the three mm-hmm. but the difference is she also talks about the number like another number beyond the three that is going to be important to him doesn't identify it but it has to be the number 19 right sure that's i find mentioned that, before i find that annoying <laughs> and, and she ref she warns him to watch for roses in unfound doorways and mentions the death of the third rather than referencing that one being, quote, in chains. So it's a little different prophecy, not... That, that is one thing that I, I, I do like, because mm. in the third, she just says, the number of your fate is three. There will be a young man possessed by the demon heroine, mm. which the gunslinger is like, that's not a demon, I know. <laughs> and the demon responds, quote, there are other worlds, gun- gunslinger, and other demons. These waters are deep, which is a terrifying <laughs> thing to say. Horrifying. There will be a a woman that comes on wheels and he asks the third and the demon just responds in chains, which means nothing oh. and does not fit with the yeah, uh, books going fits forward. Better. Yes. Yeah. This is the uh, death. It's death, but not for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that is that is not until later in the uh, Interesting. Original. More so in the second half than in the first, there are a handful of 
just a handful Mm -hmm. of things that I'm like, yeah, I get that. I didn't need it, but it doesn't stand out to me like a sore thumb. In the original, do they talk, do they have the conversation about whether Jake can be spared or not? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because the at the end of this prophecy, the oracle says, the boy leads to the man in black, the man in black leads to the three, and the three are your way to the tower. And when he asks, how may the boy be spared? The only answer mm-hmm. is turn back. Renounce your quest for the tower. Go west where men with guns are still needed. And in that moment, he he says, I am sworn. And the demon says, then you are damned. Fucking badass. So cool. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> Quick thing. Found out something very interesting about this prophecy. Okay. Or about him, about saying turn and head head northwest is, is yeah, what Yeah, because she, she says northwest in the revised and yeah, west she just in says, the go original. B- yeah. Which I was wondering if there was a meaning behind that. So like, what's Northwest? If you pull up maps of Midworld, Northwest takes him back the path he came, mm. but that path meets up where the beach leads back in world hmm. from the third door. Huh. So if he if him and Jake turned back now and headed back that way, they would still re-intersect with the path that they he will eventually go on. That is brutal. Yep. That is so brutal. <laughs> that's like kicking me. That's like making me watch you kick a puppy. <laughs> this line is what fucking killed me because when roland returns to camp he is visibly worn because jake immediately says you're You're sick sick, and he's like no i'm not sick i just got the shit beat out of me i just had great sex (laughs) i think i have ghost herpes when he sees how worried jake is He's, uh, it says he begins to, quote, feel the full ugly weight of a coming betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it was at this point I realized they th- this book does not try to hide what mm-hmm. happens to Jake. No. no. There is not a step of the way from this point forward where Roland does not know exactly what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And that is heartbreaking. This is also the moment where Roland gets back to camp and tells Jake that he can throw the anti-demon <laughs> jawbone away. Yeah, fuck it. We don't need it. Uh, it's it's a ward against evil, but you can get rid of it because it's kind of gross. Why? Well, does it have one use? And if so, then why'd he give it to him? Or maybe... Yeah. Maybe... I don't know. Oh, God. What if it is just one use? But he's like, Jake doesn't know that. And if Jake believes, it'll help him. My theory is that Roland just fucking loves throwing away shit he needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. That's why yeah. he doesn't he have He looks a at the job and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't spark joy. So he yeah, throws it away. Him. Throws away his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> After a day of rest and Roland shooting some rabbits, they head into the mountains. And Jake is starting to freak out i would be too man because he also knows he he knows he's going to be betrayed he comes very quickly he comes into like fully understanding that and believing it sort of in in stages but there are several times that are really heartbreaking on your second read or third or fourth where you can see him trying to stop it or delay it or Mm -hmm. change their course something that jumped out at me rereading this is in my memory because this book is very short. I forgot how much time actually passes mm-hmm. between here and the end of the book. It's like almost three weeks. Yeah, that pass in just the section we're covering right now. And I was like, "That's madness for how long some of this this uneventful travel takes place." Yeah, the there is a lot of just 
moseying on along yeah. that I didn't take a lot of notes on. I did note down that in the mountains, Jake, when he starts freak out, he asks Roland why. And Roland's like, well, what a stupid fucking question. Like, what good does this do? <laughs> and so he gives the worst fucking answer in the world. He mentions the tower, mm. basically, for the first time to Jake. He's like, the tower... Something about the tower, anyway. And when Jake asks, why am I here? Roland says, basically, because of the tower. And this is a quote. The tower stands at a kind of power nexus in time. And Jake goes, I don't understand that. Yeah. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. No one does. It means nothing. <laughs> oh. um, no, but you're not getting it. It's, it's the power nexus. It's just such That's a... I And knowing what the Dark Tower is, and like, yeah, okay, but it is such a non-answer. Right. Uh, it, it made me kind of laugh. As they're traveling, Roland gives some of his backstory. This was... It, it feels different between versions when he's talking to Jake, because in the original version, he gives kind of a little bit more of that detail. And all those details are altered slightly, not in ways that really mean anything. Like he refers to the, the festival and stuff in different terms. Mm. But Jake doesn't say anything. He basically ignores him. And in this one, he has like this begrudging interest almost. But I, I kind of liked when he was more ignoring him because it reminded me it was like a mirror of when he met uh, Zoltan and Brown. Mm. earlier and the guy's like clearly you want to talk so i, I mean go ahead <laughs> man it's it's just cool because it's like it's this really a guy you wouldn't think would be very chatty <laughs> <laughs> just desperate to for someone to say hey tell me about yourself there, there are a few times uh from here to the end where roland just goes off and i think that's mm -hmm. a really good reading is that he's just it once this idea of Jake's doom sets in, he's just mm -hmm. like, I got to fucking fill the air. I got to fill the silence with something. Yeah. So let me describe Elden Ring, basically. Because <laughs> uh, that's literally, maybe it's the fact that all I've done in the past month is read this book and play Elden Ring. That when he describes New Canaan and going there for the last time 12 years ago was the last time he saw his home. And it was ruins. Mm. The, the walls of the city fallen, slow mutants taking up residence. And I'm like, I want to get on my fucking horse <laughs> and explore this place. That description of Gilead was so cool. And it this also gives us the timestamp, which they he takes out in the revised version, Josh. Oh. It's just called uh, like in immeasurable years. It's identified several times as 12 years here. He, mm. he was 14 when he took the test, mm -hmm. so he's 26 when we're meeting with him, which All is right. about, it's about where we, we thought. thought. Yeah. yeah. This is I, I also liked kind of this discussion about age and time and how it's been passing because if times continued to move normally, which it hasn't necessarily done from different things we've had, which we've debated, is that literal or not? The the revised version does leave that a little more ambiguous with the whole like unknown years. It, it follows that theme, mm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Oh, especially in because in the original, when he's talking about New Canaan and his home, he mentions that something has happened to time. Mm -hmm. And he, I expected him to elaborate on that, and he doesn't. So yeah, I do kind of like. And it makes that sense how you could have uh, what he describes as like this thriving community or communities, cities. I'm kind of thinking like I'm picturing Game of Thrones <laughs> style mm -hmm. stuff. Oh yeah. To go to waste, 
and devolve into some the thing that is described to us in just a matter of a couple of years. That's like how how does that happen to that degree so quickly? That is nuts. It's the end of the world. Yeah. Anyway, where were we? So our they, first glimpse of the man in black. That's right. They finally meet in person. Uh, they've been climbing in the mountains for a week, and it's been surprisingly easy. They they mentioned that like for long stretches, the rocks have uh, eroded to be step like. Like mm-hmm. it's it is surprisingly easy going. Um, <laughs> when finally they uh, crest a ridge. And there, standing before them, uh, distance away, is the man in black, standing at the foot of a waterfall. It's a badass <laughs> it's way. It's like a cool entrance, <laughs> even though it's not an entrance. Yeah, it's fucking great, because also, without missing a beat, Roland draws and just fires three times. <laughs> Misses all three shots, because magic. His traitorous hands are like, he yeah. didn't even think it. It was yeah. like when he shot Allie. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, crap. I didn't mean oh, to do fuck. that. <laughs> Damn it, hands. This is heartbreaking, though, because the man in black is kind of taunting him. He's like, hey... You're going to catch up to me. We're going to chat. And he looks at Jake. He's like, well, we're going to chat. Yeah. Just the two of us. And when the man in black flees into this crevice in the rock face, Jake turns to Roland and says, you're going to kill me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's let's turn around. All pretense. You're going to kill me. And the gunslinger in the book, it says the gunslinger told the lie. You'll be all right. And then the bigger lie. I'll take care. Man. It, it hurts. Cold. Oh. Cold. It hurts fucking so hard. bad. And I I can't, there, there are so many moments that I, I can't imagine being in Jake's shoes. Sure. It, it's the, the whole, the whole rest of Jake's journey is walking a fucking plank. Yeah, he doesn't have a choice because Roland, at some point he calls his bluff mm. and he's like, you don't have to go with me. Bye. And he starts taking off and they're not in a setting where like you cannot lose each other. Mm. You are lost. What's Jake going to do that? Yeah, he's not at home. He can't survive this world necessarily. Maybe he can't. I don't know. Jake probably could. No, it is. It is. It's fucking. It's always sunny. The implication. (laughs) You can stay here. You can stay here. But the implication implication is. You're going to fucking die anyway. Yeah. This is, and this is the moment that Roland goes from, he starts disconnecting from Jake and just starts referring to him, him as the boy. I think there's only one part, I don't know if it's an accident, where his name is used again after this. It's always just the boy. Mm-hmm. And it's, we oh yeah, for, it like, is this it's the moment boy that- for him and us. We never get Jake again. It's mm-hmm. mean. <laughs> yeah. W- I wrote down that it's in this moment before they go into the cave is the real moment when Roland kills Jake. Because Whoa. it is in this moment <laughs> he says, come or stay, and then turns around and from then out he is the boy. Mm-hmm. Jake is dead to Roland because in Roland's head he is already dead. <sighs> and that is where we head into the tunnels for the slow mutants. Can we watch a cartoon after this? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is this where they find the hand car? Uh, yeah. In a little bit, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, oh, do they have, does he tell more about his? Yes. He's just, it's interesting because he's so much more talkative. He's like our later books, Roland, who shares more of himself and his story with his companions we eventually meet. It's just really I, interesting. I disagree because I don't in, think this is In the is revised him. version. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. Okay, because in the original, he is sharing kind of mm-hmm. but he's he's just talking it is rambling to fill silence because if he were thinking about what he was saying this is not the fucking story he would tell it's a 
Yeah. It is a <laughs> bad time for this story. Because this is when... Read the room, Roland. Yeah. Uh, he tells a short story, and that is when they find a hand truck in the dark. That talks in the revised version. It's very, yeah, it's such a stupid that thing. That is annoying, and then, too. And then I Roland, like, like shuts it off right away. He's like, yeah, I'm not fucking dealing with this. That That's annoying. <laughs> the hand cart does not talk in the original. But it's then after they, they travel for... I like that instead of counting days because they can't, they're inside mm-hmm. a mountain, it's periods of awaking and walking. Yeah, because they're which, they can't right? yeah, there's no light. They don't have a lot to draw from. It is it is disorienting. Yeah. Um, so after four days, that's when they have this conversation. And I don't know if, if it happens the same way in the revised where Jake prompts with a, that with a question. Oh, where he's like yeah, he tell asks me, about your, uh, tell me about your childhood. Tell me yeah. about your coming the of age. Because I've always wondered what growing up would be like. I was just going to say, that's the Fuck. thing that's tragic because he'll, he's not going to find out. Yeah, <laughs> that, like, that line, like, and that's also Jake being, like, accepting his yeah. fate also. Hey, tell me what life is about because you're going to end mine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and that's where we go into the story that I actually meant that Roland should not. <laughs> should, should not be telling this story. It has been three years after Hacks the Cook has been hanged, and Roland is headed to the roof to jerk off. <laughs> like you do. Like that you do. Fresh air really uh, helps. Fresh air in recess. That's God. And on his way, he walks past his mom's chambers and gets stopped by Martin. It does not go the way Martin intended for it to go <laughs> at all. It's so casually sexy. It Yeah, they are in a state of undress, Martin and his mom, which is the point. Martin wants Roland to see this because he's trying to antagonize him so that he does what he ultimately does, but he's underestimated him, unfortunately, for Martin. He, he taunts Roland with this very awkward talk with his mom, but doesn't expect how fucking kick-ass Roland is. (laughs) Because Roland, when confronted with this, Martin is eventually like, yeah, okay, get out of here, kid. Instead of slinking off, Roland switches to the high speech and basically tells Martin to get on his fucking knees. (laughs) It is cool. He's still his superior. He is like, hey, give me a sign of fealty, bondsman. As a a sign of fealty for my father who you work for. (laughs) And it makes Roland's mom gasp. And Martin just... refuses to respond and tells him to go find his hand (laughs) which mad burn it is Uh, how i'm going to dismiss people in my life from now on oh wow (laughs) that's without the context of it being an insult it's a very weird uh, just like hey go find your hand it's not Uh, i'm gonna head out i'm gonna head out you guys go find your hand I guess if you're saying it like nicely, it's okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it's like just have a good time. Yeah? Okay, we gotta move on. Uh, so Roland is so incredibly angry. Well, because when he walks away, he hears Martin, his mom, like wails because she knows Martin has has set him on this course early. Martin is laughing at him and laughing at her, and in the revised version, slaps her and tells her to shut the fuck up, basically. Yeah, uh, that sucks. Anyway, Roland smiling. The, this what? How do they describe it? Yeah, the, he this, like freezes this painful, this painful smile. grin on his face. Walks across the yard, and uh, I think it's Jamie sees him and is immediately like, "Fuck, things are going." <laughs> <down."> <laughs> 
and runs off to get the other I love that he's torn between following him and like being witness to every moment and then getting everyone else. And finally, he's like, I, I got to go get them. And uh, Roland goes and kicks the door of Court's cottage in and screams like, hey, old man, in the high speech. Yep. Is saying, I I come for you. I challenge you. And I love that, first of all, Court's just like waiting. because He's so chill. He heard, (laughs) of course, the second he heard Roland coming, he's like, yeah, I'm on this. I also love how kind, not kind isn't the right word. He cares. Yeah. He's described as just physically and just in his behavior, he's described as the most rough man, like a, like a, like a stone. Mm -hmm. And in this, he's like, man, you're, you're like two years too early. Just don't do this. I I love, he bows. He he bows to Roland. Yeah. He breaks his own word. He's like, okay, I told you like, no going back. I'll, I'll go back on it. Just stop. And then he's like, nope. He's like, fuck. Okay, one more time. <laughs> you don't have to do this. <laughs> it, it's so great, but Roland is dead set and goes to find his weapon of choice. Because, uh, Josh, do you want to explain how the the test go? <laughs> yeah. uh, the test is set up. Yes. So, in order to earn the title of gunslinger, earn your apprentice guns, you have to face off against your teacher one on one. If you win, you become a gunslinger. If you lose, you go into exile. And when you challenge your teacher. You get. You have to tell them the weapon that you are bringing when you, you go. You don't have to tell them at the yeah, time. Yeah. When you go into combat, you have to tell them the weapon you're bringing so that the teacher has the advantage to pick a different weapon if mm-hmm. they want to. But after that, it's one on one until someone yields or dies. Yeah. Uh, the these lives that these boys have. Yeah. God. Uh, terrifying. So Roland goes to get his weapon, and we see him going into this like dark area of the castle where David the Hawk lives. Such a, a weird choice for a weapon. I love this. I, I love the this how Roland bests it. Although, it does make me question that everyone is constantly talking about how Roland is simple. He's uh, maybe not simple, but like, <laughs> he's, he's not smart slow, like Cuthbert. He's not smart. And they, they say he's not imaginative. Yeah. I beg to differ because this is a fucking yeah. imaginative yeah. answer. He used it all up on this one. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so he goes to David, his pet hawk that he was training earlier in the mm-hmm. book in the earlier flashback. And he goes up and says, I think you die today. I think you will be made a sacrifice. And this is the moment that I remembered that he's telling this to Jake. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. About how he oh. befriended this hawk and then used him and the hawk yeah, died it, it is <laughs> oh boy it is the least subtle like d- honest to god didn't make that connection <laughs> until right are now you serious? I, 100%, so I was into so story. into the story yeah. are you serious not even, even the word sacrifice did when not the story ends jesus i'm an idiot <laughs> when the story ends Roland asks Jake, do you understand? And Jake goes, are you fucking kidding me? I yeah, I understand, you dipshit. In my head. You're going to kill me. In my head, Roland is like, wasn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jake is like, do men ever really grow up? Do they always play games? I, I love Roland, that line. Do, do men ever grow up or do they just come of age? And, and that's yes, so good. And Roland is, Roland is offended because he's like, I've never 
never into he's thinking to himself, I've never told my story before. Like that was that was a big deal, kid. And he has to resist the urge to like bludgeon him. <laughs> he's like and he he pulls a Martin. He's like, go to bed. And then he remembers Martin saying, Go find your hand, and he's filled with self loathing. It's like oh. It it sucks. Uh, anyway, to to finish the story. Oh yeah, uh, Roland <laughs> takes takes David and goes to the the proving grounds. And I mean, we don't really he. They have an epic, amazing fight. Yeah, he fight. throws a bird at court and it a tears hawk. his face to fucking and shreds. His ear yeah. off and gouges his good eye. And the court is in a coma yeah. for a week. <laughs> <Yep>. Yeah. <laughs> He beats him so hard that he just absolutely lays him out. What I think is like, um, what I think is amazing and romantic about this scene is all of the descriptions. After this happens, the other boys are there, his pals cheering him on, and as soon as it's finished, and Court's like, "You are a gunslinger," and they have a really cool back mm. and forth at the very end, which we'll talk about. But they all sense this change in him, and they're all a little bit afraid of him, but he because he's other but this one has always been apart that line that that it was strange but not as strange as it could have been because this one has always been different yeah uh it's (laughs) so fucking alienating it makes you be like oh roland is he's not just alone because he's the last gunslinger he's kind of always been alone Mm -hmm. Uh, just because of the way he is. But I, I love the the respect. Respect. <laughs> Do <laughs> I, I love, take that again? <laughs> sure. I love the respect and like honor in this moment as Court's like <laughs> bleeding I out might on be the ground. Dying. <laughs> Great job, yep. kid. You you because his, his father Stephen was mm-hmm. early as well, and Roland is even younger. Yeah, and it's, by a lot. It's just a cool moment for everybody, and especially because this this chance Court says, "Listen." I will teach you no more, gunslinger, but take my counsel. Wait. Don't, don't rush in. Because Roland is, as he's bleeding out on the ground, he's like, my, my birthright. Give me my fucking birthright Give me my right gun now. so I can go kill Martin. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Court's like, nah. let, let the legend of what has happened today precede you. Let that cause fear and, and like myth and just let it build up. And he takes the advice mm-hmm. this time. Like we said, he finishes his story and <laughs> Jake, not impressed. Jake is like, you are such a fucking asshole. <laughs> I know what I am to you. I am a poker chip. Mm-hmm. And Roland is just like, go to bed. And oh, the, okay, this part broke my heart. I think it's this part or yeah, he, he closes his eyes, but he does not go to sleep. He just lays there. And when he hears Roland turn over and he, he hears his breathing and he knows he's asleep, he opens his eyes and he gives him this look of pained love. It's oof. the next day, while riding through the dark on the handcart, they see something glowing in the distance. An insectile cluster of eyes on a glowing green face. Gross! There's nothing like this piece of this world in anything else. It is so, mm. it just sticks out. It stays in your head. Yeah. The it slow is, mutants, I always forgot what they looked like, but I always remembered feeling disgusted. What you felt yeah. like reading about them, yeah. I, and I, like, this is a part that sincerely freaked me out oh, the first same. time reading it. It makes the world seem just that much more alien, a world that you were kind of thinking, this is my world. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, oh no, there are worse things out there. Mm-hmm. There's there's some pretty bad stuff going on. <laughs> and th- there's an action sequence. How, how much do we want to go into? 
it's basically just a series. There's like two action sequences, a little back to back, and they're meant for us to think that that's the end for Jake. There's one mm-hmm. Jake almost falls off and Roland catches him. And then there's rocks on the track. So Jake has to get off and clear the rocks and Roland's covering him with the gun. But all of these moments, you're like, is this it? Because in each time, either he nearly falls or a slow mutant nearly mm-hmm. grabs him and you just have no idea where it's going. And it's it's nuts because we watched him take out an entire town and he didn't come out of that unscathed. But it just shows you how much more severe the situation is because of how many close calls they had. Mm-hmm. But they get away. And in my notes, I wrote. Jake's fine. No worries. We're done. (laughs) Uh, We can stop reading right now. But we don't. And three days pass. Days in quotes. They find light for the first time in, uh, what has it been? It's been at least a week under the mountain Mm -hmm. by this point. Yeah, time again is described kind of funny. Like, they talk about how long Jake's hair has gotten and everything. Mm -hmm. It makes it seem like this could be weeks or months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it has definitely been days and days underground Mm -hmm. in no light. And they've already talked about how they are so low on, like, matches that Roland is hesitant to strike a light at Mm -hmm. all, which is very fucking scary to me. Uh, With no idea how far until you get out. And where the mutants are. (laughs) Yeah. At least they glow. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, no, Josh can't talk for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) It's taken three years. (laughs) Is that the reason you wanted to start this podcast, Ben? Yeah, so I could jinx you. Oh, my God. What a long, wow. A long con. I really wanted a Coke. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it has been days, and they finally stumble upon light, but not daylight. This scene is super weird. So Mm -hmm. it's essentially what you would equate to like a subway station. Mm -hmm. It's uh, there's little kiosks. There's it's clear that transportation ran through here and there are dead bodies, but they aren't dead bodies from like violence. It looks like they just yeah, it looks like they just died where they were Mm -hmm. and they've been there for a long time. Reminds you of the stand a little bit. A little bit. yeah. Yeah. And he surmises that it was, must have been like a, a gas weapon or something, which mm-hmm. in the creation of the slow mutants, a chemical weapon inside this area seems pretty plausible. Also makes you feel like, oh, is this like a subway of New York City in the past? Right. And this is set so far in, in the a future. Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, and then this is what we alluded to this conversation earlier, which a, a moment where he's like, Jake's like, no, I'm staying here. And he's like, all right. Gets back on the handcart. And Jake's like, oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> it, it's... So much worse than that <laughs> because Roland the whole time, this is the part where he, he sees the correct path. Yeah. He, he briefly for the first time and only time considers so maybe mean. this is the right thing to do. Turn back, wait, let the boy grow until they can fight Martin to or fight the man in black together. Yeah. And it, it is so close. It is. He's so close, but then he thinks, no, if we turn back, we have to go through the fucking mountain again. We'll die for sure. Mm. And he says to himself, "The this is the quote, show some guts, he told himself falsely. Oh, because he, he is so dedicated to his fucking quest for the tower that he, he is stealing himself for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And so they move forward. Uh, for another three days. Yeah. For another three fucking days in the darkness. When they finally reach the bridge. Oh, all right. Yep. Everybody stretch it out. Fucking. Limber up. Smoke them if you got them, folks. <laughs> uh, 
They reach this bridge over the river, and it is vast and dark. And immediately Jake says, slow down, because he thinks this bridge, there's no way the bridge will hold us. And so they walk. Can we spend forever talking about how mean it is to have Roland, to the reader, painfully and carefully describe what a fall from this would be like in excruciating detail Mm -hmm. so that when it happens, not only do we know exactly what's happening, but we know he knows that is what is being experienced. It's so mean. It's so (laughs) fucked up. It's bad because they cross and it is tense. Mm -hmm. It is like Roland hears the the groaning of the metal underneath them and some of the slats fall away under Jake's feet. And Jake's like, oh, I weigh like 100 pounds more (laughs) than that kid. And uh, who knows, at Mm -hmm. any moment, I could just be falling. Which I don't like heights. I'm I'm terrified yeah, of heights. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, don't much care for the dark. So falling from a height into In darkness, dark. sure, bad times. <laughs> at, at one point, uh, while crossing, there's a, a gap, and uh, Jake jumps it. And in the darkness, he turns around and tells Roland, it won't hold you. Yeah, it's like, it's, don't do it, it is not going to hold safe. you. Turn back and leave me alone. <gasps> and Roland's response is to step over the, the gap. He doesn't even bother jumping. It is relentless. I, I don't even want <laughs> to go on because the next thing that happens is bad. The man in black shows up in silhouetted in the light of the cave. They are 30 feet away from the end. It's so close. It's so painfully close. It is. It, it is. You, you can feel like the, the, you can feel the safety coming. And the second he shows up, you're like, nah, it's over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the moment when I said the man uh, in black shows up and Roland's first instinct is to reach for the jawbone mm. that he threw away for <laughs> no good reason. <laughs> Yeah, bet if he had, like, a horn or something, it would be helpful. <laughs> uh, Who knows? That's for readers further yeah, in the tower journey. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but he shows up and he says, come now or catch me never, just as Jake tips and begins to fall. God, the, the one of the struts underneath him breaks and throws him off balance and he goes over the edge and manages to grab on. And so now Roland is faced with Jake hanging over a precipice. And the man in black within arm's reach. And this is where a thousand tattoos were launched. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not like, the thing that always got me, it's not like it's man in black in front of me, Jake behind me. Mm -hmm. He passes Jake. He jumps over Jake. He jumps over Jake. He could definitely grab him. (laughs) He made made a choice. Mm -hmm. He made his choice. And as he exits the cave, he hears Jake's final words. Go then. There, there are, are other, other worlds, worlds than, than these. these. And I get goosebumps every time. Yes, those are the tattoos. <laughs> I, I have to ask you guys this very important question. This is the very first Stephen King debate I was ever in. And so I'm excited to revisit mm-hmm. this with you guys. What is the tone in which you read that line? What is what is Jake's voice sound like? Because of his reaction to Roland's story, his pushback, where he was like, no, man, fuck you. And the steel that Roland has commented to us that he's seen in him periodically since he's met him. I always took it as, God, how do I even put this? Might I offer grim acceptance? Yes, grim acceptance. So grim acceptance is where 
is where I landed that it is that line is very internalized and I read it as full of hate when he, he says it. He's and not the person, hysterical. And the person I was talking to, her argument was that it was um, begrudgingly hopeful. Like it, nah. it was it, or begrudgingly encouraging was how nah. she read it. And I was like, there's no way. No, man. He's so fucking mad. I, I understand the different views on it because he's died before and he mm. has come to another world. And I think for me, he sees this as, all right, fuck you, man. I've been here before. I know that this might not be the end. I don't need you. See, I don't see it as mad as much. It's just the... Now I'm where you are, CM. I can't think of the word I'm looking I for. I know, it's so hard. The I, I read it as, like, giving in. Like, yeah. it, I, I like, I hadn't thought about the the steel, the gunslinger inside. I of, only have that opinion because I've read of, uh, the other books. Sure. I'd probably be, I'd probably just also think like, fuck you, fine, I'm, Resigned. Out, like, I'm dead. That's the yeah. word I was uh, yeah. looking for. It is, he, I, I read it as he is resigned to, fine, this is happening. It might as well fucking happen. I, I do like that edge though. <laughs> I had never thought about yeah, it that way. But that thought of him like, looking Roland in the eyes just as like he tries to look back just before he falls and be like, go, go then. There are other worlds in these and then fall. Jake has died before. Can Roland say that he has been through that? Who's who's the stronger person? The man in black. <laughs> oh my of God. the of the three of the people who are here, the he's that's the strongest person. <laughs> Roland exits the cave into a clearing and sees the man in black standing with his arms folded down waiting for him and the gunslinger is thinking this is death i he uh there there's a line that says he had become the boy the boy had become him mm-hmm. he his soul is dead uh, th- this killed roland as much as it killed jake because as we have learned from the oracle he is now damned mm-hmm. we move to the the pol- I've never said this word out loud, y'all. Palaver? Or is it palaver? Palaver. Because I've been yelled at. <laughs> the, the reason that I know it's palaver is episode one of Firefly. The audiobook says <laughs> oh, palaver, okay. palaver. That's how the audiobook it's, says it. Yeah. In my head, reading it growing up, the first, palaver? I, I had always read it as palaver. <laughs> Me too. And then I think I said it to someone, and they're like, that's, <laughs> not, that's not the word. Yeah. I didn't know it was the word until... Watching Firefly with captions on, and he says it. And I'm like, the fuck? And then- <laughs> okay. Uh, so in the Gunslinger and the Dark Man, we get finally Roland and the Man in Black's Palaver at the Golgotha. In Another night- word I probably just <laughs> fucked up. This is the most surreal part of this book. It is my favorite part of the book. It is, this is the part that has st- duck with me i think this is the part that made me go oh this is so much more Mm -hmm. than a weird magic cowboy story like this the the explanation that we get of the tower is what in high school broke my brain (laughs) and um that i I tell people, and this is stupid and embarrassing and something, that the Dark Tower is probably the closest I think thing I have personally to a religion. That's awesome. This is my, my understanding of the world. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I base a lot of it on 
the yes. lore of the Dark Tower. The like the the infinite multiverse mm-hmm. sort of the blade of grass thing. Oh, mm-hmm. Jesus fucks Christ! Me up and the the zooming in on the particles mm-hmm. and the lead of the pencil. We, like, oh my we'll god, man! We'll get to it. <laughs> okay, but this there's last, some this, very important stuff first. I love that he comes into the situation. He has been in the mountains in the dark for weeks, maybe, and this is a perpetual night that does not end until they're done. It's so cool. Great. They sit down. The man in black produces a rabbit that Roland refuses to eat. And the man in black says, well, you should eat because you may not see another sunset for what may seem like a long time. Fuck you, man. (laughs) And then after they've eaten, Roland gets a tarot reading. This tarot reading is fucking amazing. The man in black has pulled his hood back to reveal that he is Martin. Which he's not. Which Which he's he's not. not. He's Walter. He's Walter. <laughs> Depending on what you But mean. like it's yeah. well it's it's enough to the face that Roland has expected to see mm-hmm. is not the face he's seeing. It's a, a much younger he knows the face. And Martin basically says that uh or Walter basically says, "Yeah, I didn't I didn't leave. I just I just changed my face for a while. <laughs> like I've been around." Yeah. And in the in the original one, he is mm. a separate person. Oh. Yeah, he they, he changes a, a phrase slightly. King does. He says, mm. "I came to your mother through Martin versus I came to your mother as Martin. Oh. So oh. he's he's actually we find out that Roland gets his he he passes the test. Court tells him to wait. He takes his advice. And in that time, in that hesitation, Martin kills Roland's father and takes off before Roland can Shit, do anything is, about it. This is all in the I missed that part. And and then this man Walter appears. He was like a, a companion of Martin's, somebody mm. he knew. So they separate him as people. Referencing his father dying might have been in the revised, but okay. he's definitely a different person in the original. Here's what I caught of this because he, uh, Roland, after the tarot reading, we'll get to, Roland asks a bunch of questions and Martin, or the man in black keeps going, that's not the question you want to ask. Yeah. And yeah. then the question that he wants to ask is, do I fucking know you? Do I know you from somewhere? And he just like, oh yeah. Um, there was a guy that traveled with Martin who is bald and dressed like a priest. And Roland goes, oh shit, you're Walter. And it is treated as a huge reveal, despite the fact well, that Walter, Walter has not been mentioned the entire book. In the revised version, he doesn't ask if he knows him. Mm. He asks, will I succeed? Will I win through? That's the question. Interesting. So there's yeah. no reveal about the Walter thing. Also, yeah, it is, talk- it's a weird. Well, and the reveal. revised Walter was is mentioned in Tull. Okay. He signs. He signs that letter, Walter O'Dim. And they also talk about the the powers that be, the people above Martin Walter, mm-hmm. not as Legion, uh, but as Merlin and the Beast. So it's a little bit different. There are a lot of things in here that are just slightly tweaked. It's interesting. I I wrote down, he asks, who's your boss? And he answers, the ageless stranger. You must slay him. And then I wrote, wrong twice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to this fucking tarot reading. So the tarot reading... I'm sorry, though. Can I just say the best line in this? Because he's like telling him just, you know, we're going to speak truth. Martin says, friends and lovers lie endlessly caught in the web of duty. Enemies tell the truth. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) The tarot reading is the hanged man who's Roland. Mm. Um, It's actually a symbol of power when drawn alone that it shows. Yeah, it doesn't show death. It doesn't mean his death. death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The sailor who is uh, drowned, Jake. Jake. 
the prisoner, uh, because this is a custom tarot deck, of course, not yeah. a real yeah. one. <laughs> the prisoner, a man with a monkey uh, wielding a knife on his back, who we will come to know as Eddie. Mm-hmm. The Lady of Shadows, a woman sitting at a spinning wheel, I think, who is <laughs> laughing different. and crying yeah. at the same time. Josh, do you oh, explain cool. what the card is? The Lady of Shadows he is with at least two faces who broke the blue plate huh. is how it's described. Well, we will come to know her as Susanna in, mm-hmm. well, in due time. In a really long in time. A really, in like six Dada, books. Susanna. <laughs> death, the death card, but not for you. The tower and life, but not for you. Oh, which doesn't make sense for so long. <laughs> Sorry, that's way ahead. It's way, so way ahead. good though. Uh, <laughs> that moment is really special and I don't think it meant anything at the time. And oh, I just love not. what it's become. Uh, oh, and I didn't mention the, the tower which he places over Roland's yeah. card, mm-hmm. which, sure. And after this, when Roland's like, I don't know what the fuck any of this means, he leaps across the fire at uh, the man in black who tells him to sleep. This is so awesomely described, though, because as he leaps at him, and we know Roland is probably very fast. Mm-hmm. He describes it as Martin giggling and fading down like a corridor. Yes. Yeah, like he uses so a glamour cool. to. I wish, like, I want to trip. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> and I want it to be like this. I want to see the creation you see the of, the whole universe. of the universe. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you the... should rethink that. Uh, do you... <laughs> do you... <laughs> well, not the tripping part. That's a good time. I was meaning. The, the seeing the entirety of existence. It almost destroys him. Yeah. Um, well, have any either of you guys ever read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books? Mm. I have not read. I am a Daniel Pinkwater fan. Okay. Side, yeah. uh, well, in the Hitchhiker's Guide series, I forget it's if it's the second or third book, uh, there is a bit where Zaphod Beeblebrox, the president of space, the two-headed president of space, mm-hmm. is arrested and taken to this planet where something called the Total Perspective Vortex exists. It is a room that they throw criminals in, that what it does is it shows them how big they are, and then the entirety of the universe. Fuck! (laughs) And the perspective of seeing how small you are and unimportant drives you instantly insane. It would drive me insane. Um, Well, I don't know about that because in the book, Zaphod (laughs) walks out of it completely unfine because he's so egotistical. He believes he's the most important thing in the universe. And when he (laughs) saw in the perspective machine, he's like, yeah, the machine told me how important I was. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, I'm fine. That's how I perceive time. Like when I think about (laughs) how I perceive time as like we are our whole lives are less than nothing in the blip of what is the universe it's I can't even. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So seeing all of that it, it, with your brain. Oh, that's my bucket list. The last thing you. I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> he he sees this where he's thrown. It, it, he sees the creation of Earth as narrated by the man in black mm-hmm. doing God's lines. Because <laughs> um, he says, yeah. let there be light. Mm-hmm. And Roland sees that the light was good, which is great. Yes, that's pretty uh, great. And he creates the, the sea and the stars and the earth. And then Roland is pulled back infinitely. And he feels mm-hmm. enormous as he is pulled into the darkness of space where stars and galaxies have faded into blackness and as he reaches the purest darkness that there is he breaks through to light and wakes up and i love that 
the man in black does not know what he saw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is one of my favorite like little tropes. Mm-hmm. I love when an all-powerful bad guy who like their goal is something huge and unfathomable, unfathomable because they're so powerful. But then there's one thing that they can't or don't know. That's such a cool power yes. dynamic. I I love it. But he he asks, "What was the vision? What did you see?" And he Roland answers. I saw a purple blade of grass. Yeah. <laughs> and Martin Walter is not thrilled. Yeah, not what he was <laughs> he hoping <is> scared. for. Yeah. <laughs> so to explain this, basically, the Dark Tower is the end of Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the the description, and I'm going to do the best I can, because like the man in black says, the finite mind cannot grasp mm-hmm. infinity. And that's what Stephen King drives real fucking hard to do here. Imagine the biggest big there is. The universe. Everything that exists. What's what's outside of that? The answer can't be nothing. Right. Because nothing cannot exist. There has to be something, right? Right. And this is where he's describing, it's slightly different in both, but essentially, what what does a bird think when it uh, a baby bird when it breaks through the shell of the egg. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what does the fish feel when it is pulled from the water into a world full of giants that don't breathe water? Yeah, like, where it's pulled into the air that chokes it. Yeah. It is the idea that everything is recursive and infinite is fascinating to me. Yeah. Basically, the, he says, like, imagine the smallest of the small. Zoom into a pencil point, like, mm-hmm. uh, like CM said, and you'll see... That it's not solid. It is atoms. But between those spaces, it could be, it could seem like aeons, fathoms. Should have done the the reverse way. Uh, (laughs) Small to big. We know what you mean. Um, And you get smaller and you get to tachyons and Mm -hmm. fucking subatomic particles. What's below that? What's between those? Can't be nothing. Something (laughs) has to exist. And the idea of the Dark Tower is that when you breach the smallest of the small or the biggest of the big, it's it's everything. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yes. The when he's like, okay, imagine you're walking through a desert and you're kicking sand with your boot as you go. Each granule of sand could be a universe full of millions of galaxies and what happens to that universe and everything in it when you kick it what happens to the blade of grass when it is cut down maybe they say our world has moved Mm -hmm. on what if that means it's just drying out yeah the blade of grass everything that exists and ever could exist in our world is nothing more than a sub of a sub of the subatomic particle on some alien world that could be destroyed at an instant and somehow in every world that could ever exist that are all nested into each other and out of each other going on forever and ever <laughs> all of them connect directly to, to the, the dark, dark tower, tower. It, it it makes my brain like tingle in a really <laughs> cool way yeah. and i i I have always loved the idea of the multiverse mm-hmm. and just the way King writes about it and explains it is so uh, just mind boggling. Yeah. That, uh, that, that I kind of 
sincerely believe it in my real life. I, <laughs> it's, well, yeah. it's wild. I know. It makes but, a lot of sense, yeah. you guys. He, he comes out of this vision and they talk a little bit more about who his boss is and he gives them incorrect answers. <laughs> in, in the revised, he basically drops the Crimson King and okay. all that in there. He, he reveals that he's Walter, something that means nothing to us. Um, <laughs> and then he says, let there be light. And the morning comes 10 years later. When I first read this and it was 10 years later, I had to stop. I had to stop and just absorb that moment because it, it was is so sun. It's unexpected. on the next to last page. It's fucking insane. Yes. It, it is just out of nowhere. He wakes up. <laughs> The man in black has turned into a skeleton. Yeah, and he takes his jawbone. <laughs> and he rips his jawbone off and it's like, I, I'm going to hang on to this one. Maybe. <laughs> maybe try to hang on to the next kid you meet. <laughs> oh, Sam. Uh, and we, we leave Roland alone 20 miles from the beach where he's told to go by walter he's because he says you are going to get the power to draw which you technically already have and we don't want you to figure out you have that but we have to tell you because of the sacrifice of the boy yeah what (laughs) (laughs) yeah we leave roland on the beach and that's that's the end of his story and that's the the whole end that is book one of the dark tower the gunslinger did it guys we are on our way so i I just wanted to take a second to say should we turn back should should we should we stop the podcast are we we done (laughs) we oh yeah we we gotta we gotta call this off or or cm might fall into a ravine Jake. I don't know. Uh, you're pretty Jakey. Damn it. <laughs> Go then. There are other podcasters. Than you. <laughs> oh, oh, God. All right. Uh, should we rate this one? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, who wants to start? I'll start. It's very easy. Uh, this is <laughs> such an amazing book. Uh, reading this being the first time I've read the revised and having read the original, there's just so much good shit. And it's I don't know how people don't like it. It's so great. I'm five out of five blue chambray shirts. <laughs> Do you want the honor of going last since you are uh, led uh, the I episode? Mean, well, I know, I know <laughs> what you have done. Yeah, CM, CM go has last. a wall of text <laughs> on her phone. So I'm going to let you go last. Okay. I, I don't have much to say other than it's funny. I do get why people don't like this book. Reading it this time has kind of made me get it because coming into this i mentioned last episode a bunch of people i talked to were like yeah i don't i didn't care for that book i get it it is there's some tough stuff Mm. in there and it arguably stands on its own but i don't think i i I think it's just the dauntingness of the journey to the tower Mm -hmm. is it weighs heavily on this book that said I fucking love this book, <laughs> and that's what my ratings are for. So I am giving it five out of five blue fucking chambray shirts. It is amazing. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sam? I'm going to try not to go on and on. <laughs> no, please do. Please read your essay. I'm going to rate the original, but I need to talk about my experience with the original and the revised as part of my rating because we have heard from so many of you listeners since our first episode, different people's experiences with like some of you only have read one or the other, you know, like some of us and you fall all across the spectrum of I prefer this one. I prefer that one. I never thought of it this way. And it's it's been so enriching to hear your thoughts 
and continue to read these two versions. So I want to include it, even though technically I'm going to be reading the original. So I've already made my case for kind of why I prefer the original, what it does for my journey. And so I won't go into that. I'll just reiterate a few points that I kind of solidified as we were finishing up Roland's tale and and got to see everything else he did sort of with more of a critical lens mm. than I think I've ever read it before, just by the nature of doing this with you guys. It's okay, no matter what one you love. But I do want to tell people, if you're someone who revisits a tower, check out the other version, whichever one that mm. is. I, I think they're definitely both worth it. The revised one might be more accessible for people who might tend to not be able to get into the gunslinger. And if you're intimately familiar with it, I think that you are going to have a really interesting experience reading about what Roland is like originally. The original version for me has this like fever dream quality to it that the oh, yeah. revised just doesn't have and it doesn't make it bad, but that is part of what captured me and drew me to the story and is what made me tell everybody to to read it. Right. It it's raw and ambiguous in this really beautiful way that pays off for us the readers way 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 later. It forces us to go on a difficult journey, just like the characters, because we have to wait to figure out what all of this means. For me, you get to be part of that world in a, in a similar sort of a companion journey in a really unique way. Things aren't handed to you in this more polished and, and very foreshadowed way that I feel like the revised does. Roland's character arc is hinted at in the original version. It is, it's made more blatant in this one. For me, his flaws... His flaws are the foundation of his transformation mm -hmm. that we eventually see in him. He represses his past, his feelings, his love. And this is why he is such a kind of vague, mysterious and romantic character. He represses humanity for this quest. And the change we see in him later is made so much more rich mm -hmm. by that journey that he has taken rather than being the more kind thoughtful more accessible Roland from sort of feel like they sort of, he sort of superimposed the Roland we come to know on this very young person starting mm. off on his journey the other thing that I think bothered me about the revised was that I hadn't read the original for a very long time because we'd been doing this podcast and I had never read the revised and as I was going through it things stuck out to me that were different that I shouldn't have known were different they stuck mm. out I was like Oh, that feels weird. Is that right? Do I remember that? And it was all the the added stuff that changed the feel and the character in significant ways. Hmm. There were a lot of very minor changes, a lot of kind of reworking of phrasing that didn't change the journey in any way, which is totally fine. But it was just weird that there were those few things that stuck out. Hmm. Somebody sent us King's Forward and he's saying, hey, this first book, it was very pretentious. It was ambiguous. I wrote it with a lot of flourish. Yeah, that's what I like about it. I argue he did not. It is mm. There is no pretense and ambiguity. He didn't know what the journey was. He himself has said, these characters pulled me on their journey as much as I wrote it. So I see what he's now calling pretense and ambiguity as just the start of something we don't know quite what this is going to develop into yet, which is fucking rad. Okay, so anyway, I promise <laughs> I'm going to rate it. <laughs> Five out of five blue chambray yeah. shirts. Yeah. I'm sorry I went on so no. damn long. <laughs> it's, it's so, it was an experience for me doing both of these books. So I, I think that's five across the board with some asterisks <laughs> because we all read different, different versions. I would give the revised I five would, out of five. I would give every single version of this five out of five yep. blue chambray shirts. 
That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be reading Edward Serbone's pick, The Talisman, and we're going to be reading through the chapter, The Wolf. For Benjamin Graham and Sam Alexander, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, no one ever really pays for betrayal in silver. The price of any betrayal always comes due in flesh. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Gunslinger Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. At the end of my outro, I have a teaser for you from our latest episode of The Club, our Patreon-exclusive podcast. We had Justin Markson back on and got to talk all about the Stephen King movie Sleepwalkers, directed by Mick Garris. So stay tuned for that. But first, let us know what you think of The Gunslinger, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. We also love to get emails from you, dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our store on Etsy, search Dairy Public Radio. And if you like the teaser, visit our Patreon page for more bonus episodes. Here's a bit from Sleepwalkers. This is where you really find out he is bad. He is not a good guy because mm-hmm. he carelessly would have ran over that little girl. Yeah, he almost hits yeah. a little yeah. girl. It was yeah. almost a reverse pet cemetery. A oh, cat gosh. running over a person. Oh, my God. The other way yeah. around. Oh, jeez, that's awful. Oh. Jesus, man. That's awful. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye. <laughs>